Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. AutoZone wants you to know that heat is the main cause of battery failure, so it's important to have a tough battery. Duralast batteries designed and tested to start in extreme temperatures up to 167 degrees. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Game three is here between the Warriors and the Cavs. The Warriors are going on the road, and they have a chance to make their official statement known, I believe, tonight if they can win this game. If the Warriors go out and win game three, I don't believe the Cavs are going to come back and win game four. I think this series will be over by Friday night, and the NBA season will belong to the miss of history. If the Cavs can come back and win game three, then there's at least the hope that game four becomes significant. There's a decent chance that you go back to Golden State tied at two with a chance to make this a somewhat competitive series. I think there is so much spinning on tonight's outcome on a broader scale. The Golden State Warriors may well be the greatest basketball basketball team of all time. They have won 14 straight playoff games. If they win tonight, they're probably going to win 16 straight, become the first ever, maybe the only team, to be frank, of our lifetimes that will go 16-0 in the NBA playoffs. It's never happened before. For most of us, it may never happen again. That, to me, would move in the direction of this is the greatest team of all time. 
it would also put a lot of pressure on the NBA because the Golden State Warriors would have dominated like no team has ever dominated before in the history of the playoffs, would be returning next year with basically their entire team intact, and there would be zero suspense for the NBA. We never would have seen a dynasty like this. And so, for LeBron James, has he completed the fullness of his resume? When this series began, the day before this series began, the week before, the month before, the number one boring-ass conversation in sports was what? LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. I don't hear anybody talking about LeBron James versus Michael Jordan right now. Instead, the conversation after the first two games in Oakland has shifted from is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan to are the Golden State Warriors better than Michael Jordan's Bulls team? And if LeBron James is ever going to add another line to his resume, this may be his last best chance to do so. If the Cavs get swept, first of all, all you LeBron James people out there are going to have to run around. You're going to have to go into work. Come Monday morning, you're lucky it to be a Friday they get swept, so you get Saturday and Sunday to hide your faces. you got to go into work, go in and hang out with your crew on Monday, and you have to accept the fact that your boy got swept by a team. It's not one thing to lose in the finals. It's another thing to get swept. And that's what LeBron James would be facing the year after he won his third title. And you'd have to recognize that LeBron James at 33 years old without the flexibility to do much with the Cleveland Cavaliers, there's no way he could make this team that much better. Maybe it's finally time for LeBron James's run of NBA Finals trips to come to a close. Maybe the Washington Wizards move up and challenge them. Maybe the Boston Celtics can go sign Gordon Hayward and they go get Markel Fultz and it makes a big difference to their overall lineup. I don't know what the outcome will be, but I think certainly it would be hard to argue that the Cavs are not on the downside of their trajectory, that LeBron James finally hasn't peaked. He's been the best player in the NBA for a long time, but so far Kevin Durant has been the best player in the NBA Finals. Does LeBron James have one stand left? Can he muster up the energy, the fortitude, the challenge to manage to find a way to win this game. I think this game is massive for everybody involved. Warriors staring squarely at the chance to adopt the mantle of greatest team of all time. LeBron James still trying, hoping that he's going to have some more ammunition in the long-range argument about his versus Michael Jordan. I think if you look at the future for Michael, for, uh, for LeBron James... This is it. I believe unless they can win this series, and I don't think they can. I know people out there are like, well, they came back from 3-1 last year. Yeah, Steph Curry's healthy now. Draymond Green has played totally in control. Doesn't look like he's close to getting suspended at all. And obviously, Kevin Durant adds a different level, a different gear to this Golden State Warrior team. Is, and this could be the conversation too, if Kevin Durant comes out and plays like he's played in the first two games, I think it'll be fair to say after three games tomorrow when we come on this show, is Kevin Durant now serving notice that he's the best player in the NBA? Will this next year be his year? Remember, he's four years younger than LeBron James. He's got a lot less mileage on his body, and he seems to be coming into his own. Moreover, his team is so good that he can take time off 
he can take minutes off in games without worrying about whether or not his team falls behind. If you watch game two, and I went back and looked at the stats, look at the first half stats. LeBron James put every ounce of his energy into keeping that game close. At the half, I believe it was 67 to 64. LeBron James went to the basket time after time after time. Second half, he had no energy left. Third quarter, he went to the bench. He sat there, and he looked at the sky, and you could see if you had bet the Cavs, you were done because LeBron James had nothing left. Are the Cavs so overmatched right now that all they can hope for is just that the Golden State Warriors have a bad shooting night? And is this a crazy idea, or are you kind of buying this? I feel like Klay Thompson's going to go off tonight. I feel like Klay Thompson is going to have one of those games where he's Klay Thompson-like and the basket looks like the ocean, and he's throwing the ball into it, and he can't miss. I just feel like he's due. He's been a streaky player. He's been a guy who can disappear at times, given how good Durant and obviously Curry are, and the fact that Draymond Green a lot of times is the emotional core of this Warriors team, even if he's not one of the couple of best players. But I feel like this is the time when Klay Thompson suddenly explodes out of the oblivion that he's been in and puts up a lot of points. But man, I think this game is just absolutely massive for the NBA. If game five and game six and game seven don't happen, the audience for this game is going to be half of what the audience for last year's playoffs were. The number of people who are going to care about the NBA regular season next year is minimal because the Golden State Warriors will have clearly established that they're on a different level than everybody else. And again, I mean, this is, to me, both two two big swings at history. You really break this day, game down. This is LeBron's last best chance at Michael Jordan. I don't believe that when he's 33 years old and this Warriors team is coming back for the next couple of years and looks like they do, that LeBron James is going to be able to add another ring unless he gets it this year. So I don't think he's going to get it. I think his resume is basically complete. I think he's going to have three titles. I think he's going to have one. The games that he has won, I think he's going to have the tenure that he had. But I think most people are going to swing back around to Michael Jordan as ascendant. On the other side, I think the Golden State Warriors are playing against history. It will maybe never happen again. I said this already, but I think it's worth reiterating. It maybe never happen again in our lives, if you're a basketball fan, that we have an NBA playoff team that starts off a season 14-0. And if they start off the NBA playoffs 14-0 and come out and win 15, then I think they're going to win 16 too. And they will have done something that has never been done in the history of the NBA. Now, before the season, before this series started... Cavs fans came after me on Twitter for saying it. I said this was going to be a five-game series. I said the Warriors would win the first two. I predicted the Cavs would win this one. Then I said the Warriors would close it out with game four and game five. That's still probably what I would predict, but the Warriors are favored to win this game. And obviously, we don't know which of these historic analogies is going to apply. Are the Cavs going to challenge the Golden State Warriors at all? Do they have the pride to avoid the sweep? Can LeBron hold out hope that that flickering ghost he's chasing, Michael Jordan, is still catchable? Or will this be the game that forever eliminates that dream? Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 
It's a confident show, especially when we bring in John Campbell to talk gambling and John Campbell at oddshark.com. Uh, for, for John's sake here, as I bring, uh, bring him in, we're talking a lot about the Golden State Warriors historically and how not only they are a great team now, but also how they would be a great team contextually over the course of the history, basically. And one of that big point of conversation has been, and we started off Monday's show talking about this, how would the Golden State Warriors do against the best of the Jordan-era Bulls teams? Remember the 95-96 Bulls? They went 87-13 and overall, 72-10 and in the regular season, 15-3 and in the postseason. My argument was that the Warriors would win that series in five games. And Vegas now, or at least some of the Vegas-related uh, uh, shops, have put together a line in this game. And John Campbell, what seems to be the consensus about who would be favored? Doesn't mean necessarily what would happen, but who would be favored in that game? Well, most of the odds makers have the Warriors favored, and uh, the line varies between three points and eight points. And and I'm with the the lines that are closer to eight points. And I, I'm with you. I think the Warriors would win in, in five at most, and I'm taking them all day at minus eight. It, it is pretty wild to uh, to think about, like how quickly we've gone from is LeBron better than Jordan to are these Warriors better than the best of the Chicago Bowl Jordan teams. And so you said you like them by eight. One of the questions we get, John Campbell, is, okay, what era would the game be played in? Would they play with 1990s rules, or would they play with the rules of the modern era? I argue it wouldn't matter, because if you go back to those 90s rules, the three-point line would be closer. Uh, that Yes, Steph and, and Clay and, and, and all the other guys would get beaten up a little bit more, Maybe Dennis Green, uh, Dennis Dennis Green. Maybe Dennis Rodman could get into Draymond Green's head a little bit, get him to uh, to lose his mind. That would be a hell of a matchup. Maybe the most interesting matchup to watch would be Dennis Rodman against Draymond Green. I have no idea what would happen with those two guys banging on every play. But I also think it doesn't matter based on the era that the Warriors would still win. You buy that, John Campbell, or do you think the era matters? Not in terms of. Uh, of necessarily pretending everybody's the same age right now, but just the rules that would be applied in the nineties. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the era matters at all. I think the Warriors win either way, and it, this Warriors team is doing things that we've never seen teams do before. They're they're shooting threes from all over the place. They're a better field goal shooting team statistically. They shoot from anywhere inside the arc. I, I don't think it matters what era you play. These, these guys are more athletic. I think Steph Curry is the best dribbler we've ever seen. He opens up the whole floor the way he shoots three-pointers and then is so unselfish with the ball. I think I think they win handily by double digits whenever you want to play the game. All right, so tonight is game three. The Warriors have opened up around a four-and-a-half-point line favorite. That money has been coming in on the Warriors ever since this line went public. Who is putting money on the Warriors? Is this the public on the Warriors, or is this the smart money? Or uh, what's going on here to give us this line story? Because moving out to four and a half, a four and a half point road favorite, pretty substantial line there, especially for an NBA Finals game when you feel like Cleveland's coming back home and basically has to win this game or else it's Katie bar the door, the series is over. Yeah, and, and this is sharp money and public money uh, going on the Warriors. And, and there's just been so much hype on them, and they won so convincingly these first two games that people can't help themselves but put money on the Warriors. 
But I wrote a piece yesterday that game three is the one that you want to be really careful of when teams are up 2 nothing in finals. And, and this is any sport. Uh, they only win that game three less than half the time, about 40% of the time, even though they win the series almost 90% of the time. Okay, so, so to reset reset there, I love this these stats that you've got. we got John Campbell on Odd Shark. So when teams go up 2-0 and they go back on the road for game three, they only win 40% of the time, even though they win the series overall about 90% of the time. Yeah, 41.5% of the time they win game three, and 94% of the time they win the series. So that's that's a crazy discrepancy between t- those two things. And one of the reasons for it, which I wrote about, is the officials are going to give Cleveland every chance possible to get back in this one. doesn't mean it's fixed. It doesn't mean they're making up calls, but... Cleveland's going to get the calls, and they're going to communicate the game in a way where Cleveland's going to get every chance to win a game for their home fans and make a series out of this one. And and no doubt Golden State will win this one, but, but I think you really want to be careful taking Golden State in this game. And when you consider the look-ahead line before the series started was Cleveland minus two and has now come to Golden State minus three or more, that's a huge, huge discrepancy, especially when, when we knew ahead of time or oddsmakers assumed ahead of time that Golden State would be up to nothing, and that hasn't changed. Okay, the over-under in this game, you before this series even started, you came out and said, wow, this over-under is higher than we've ever seen. The pace of play, Jason Martin just told us last, uh, last uh, segment, that LeBron James has literally never played in any playoff game that was as fast as games one and two of this finals. Obviously, the faster the games played, the better it is for the over. The over-under is still really high here. What's the play there? Because basically this game was, was easily over in game two, but in game one, the Cavs couldn't match any kind of offensive flow. I took the over in both games. I'm sitting at one and one so far. What do you think the play is for game three? Will the Cavs try and slow it down? I, th- I think they have to. I, I I think they know by now that they can't keep up with these guys if, if they want to score and, and, and run the floor with them. So I think that's their best chance is to try and slow it down a little. And the number's at 226 right now, so if it closed at this number, it would be higher than game one, which would make it the highest total wow. we've ever seen in an NBA Finals. Uh, that's amazing. The highest total ever seen in the NBA Finals. Again, tonight's Game 3. We're talking with John Campbell. He's at Oddshark. Go to oddshark.com. You want to check out his articles about gambling trends as he gave you everything about Game 3 there and, and, and why it's so fascinating for a team to be up 2-0 going back on the road. Okay, let's pivot here. Tomorrow, Game 5 of the NHL Finals. NHL tied up 2-2, and it's basically – I saw that you tw- you tweeted out the uh, the odds – uh, from Odd Shark, there it's basically a coin flip in terms of who is going to be able to win this uh, this series between the Predators and the Penguins. What in the heck's going on? I know you've been on the Predators as a gambler. What's going to happen in Game Five, and how significant is what happens in Game Five to who over overall wins this series? Well, the Penguins are favored at minus one fifty five, which I think is just an absolutely terrible uh, line here. I, I love the Predators, especially at plus one forty. I just, I just think the defending champions are getting way too much respect. And Nashville's doing what they do. They wear teams down, playing really physical hockey over or using their four lines and great defense. 
And uh, Pittsburgh's in real trouble here. Just because every every home team has won each game in this series, that's a, another reason why Pittsburgh's favored by so much. But I absolutely love the Predators in this one at plus 140. And Pittsburgh's minus 135 to win the series. Uh, so I like Nashville still to win the Cup. I said that last round. Um, and uh, But don't take them to win the series. Just take them game to game, and you're going to come ahead with more money. And game to game, it's it's a mess because you look at what happened to these goalies, and you would think that having been all the way into the playoffs, they've both won three rounds so far, that the goalie play would be fairly consistent. But it's been everything but. Pekka Rene went on the road against the Penguins, and he couldn't stop a puck. Suddenly the, 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 the Penguins blow him out. He looks very mortal. Then he comes back home, and the, the Penguins can't score on him at all. Meanwhile, the flip side... The Preds post nine goals, five in game three, four in game four. What in the world's going on here that the goalie play is swinging that much just based on who's cheering for who, based on the home ice? Yeah, it's huge, and we're seeing uh, how just how fickle the mindset can be for goaltenders and uh, just playing hockey. Goaltenders are always strange guys. They're different sorts of guys. And we're seeing uh, both goaltenders play much worse on the road. The crowd is getting to them. And I know we've talked on the show before about what's the most important position in all of sports. And we could make a really strong argument right now for the goaltender being the strongest, the strongest position or the most important position in any sport. And, and we're seeing now if your goalie's not on, your team is done. Great stuff as always. What else is out there we should know about, John Campbell? Uh, we got U.S. Open coming up. We'll talk about that next week. And, uh, yeah, nothing beats Cup Finals and NBA Finals. It's a fun time of year. I need you to get some of those Game of Thrones death pool odds up. It's a little <laughs> bit over a month till that starts. One of my favorite uh, gambling options that's offered offshore. Good stuff, my man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Clay. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. I would encourage you, as always, when you see signs that the animals are rising up against us, to please send them to me on social media. You guys have been fabulous with it. You can tag it. You can send it to me. You can send it to Jason Martin at Jmart Outkick. Jason Martin, take it away. I got three pretty good ones here, and I think Justin's got one as well. Crashing parties in California. Royal Oaks Liquors manager tells NBC's Los Angeles affiliate a customer tipped him off to the presence of a large peacock that had taken residence on a shelf underneath the PBR neon beer sign in the store. The peacock must have heard him because it then flapped its wings, flew towards the owner, dipped, went high, landed atop the ice cream freezer, avoided animal control capture by dodging a net, continually flapping its wings, and while evading, it destroyed $500 worth of alcohol. Is this that's a male foul. or female peacock? This would oh, have been a female uh, I, peacock. I stepped on your incredible line there. That's a party foul. Yeah, that I appreciate is, uh, it. That is, well, that is well done. I mean, the peacock, it's the male peacock that has the great feathers, right? Yes. So is a male, do we have, like, did it have like a great plume behind it, or is this like it a It did female? have a plume. It did oh, have wow. a plume, and the owner said that he was frightened. Of the peacock. Yes. I don't think you're expecting a peacock inside your establishment. 
$500 in wasted alcohol. Speaking of not wasting alcohol, did you see that Marcus Mariota said yesterday that he's never had a sip of alcohol in his life? He's perfect. He really is perfect. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't think this guy could get any more dreamy. He's never touched alcohol in his life. That's a quarterback's going to win multiple Super Bowls. That's discipline. All right, uh, what's next? Five-star ratings? Maybe not. A gentleman visiting Cape Town, South Africa with his family was stunned and shocked when he walked out of the bedroom of the Airbnb he was staying at to discover a decent-sized group of baboons trashing the home. It was a luxury apartment, but no more. Patio door had been left a little bit ajar. Seven baboons entered. Seven? Destroyed seven. Destroyed the house, reportedly, quote, defecated everywhere, unquote, and ransacked the kitchen for food. He said they opened doors, refrigerator, cupboards, jars, everything. It took three police officers with mace and experience, that's a quote, to finally <laughs> chase them off. And that was only temporarily. The man said his son then left bubble soap outside two days after the invasion. The baboons drank it, climbed the roof, and the family watched as the primates burped bubbles at them. Now these baboons are just taunting the humans. Wow. That's the worst. Oh, is it Airbnb? Yes. Wow. That's, that's the not worst a five-star Airbnb rating. ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, you think it's bad. People say, like, make sure you don't leave the doors open. Then you get seven baboons in there. Uh, that's a uh, thank you very much. That's yeah. a really rough situation. Seven yeah. baboons. And that was probably somebody's, like, biggest trip ever, the African safari. You yeah. were going to go down to Africa and, like, have an incredible time. And instead, your place just gets ransacked. Tough break. Yeah, seven primates in your when you wake up. That's pretty terrible. And then this one's just awful. In Sebring, Florida, because of course it's Florida, a woman allowed her toddler to be bitten by a small snake as a lesson. By toddler, I mean a one-year-old. The woman, Chartel St. Laurent, handed the child a Tupperware container. Inside, a 14-inch red rat snake, which then strikes at her. The girl cries, and in the video, a female voice in the background, identified as this 34-year-old woman, laughs. She said she grew up interacting with all sorts of reptiles, wanted to teach the girl a lesson by allowing the child to be bitten. She allowed the snake to bite her first to make sure there would be no injuries. There were no injuries to the toddler. She said it worked. The toddler no longer wished to touch the snake, and she said she only laughed because she was surprised by the child's reaction to the snake. I'm sorry. That's the worst mom ever. It literally might be the worst mom ever. You have to put her in jail, and she can never have children again. I think you might have to take her ovaries after this. I, you know, It's rare that I've called for human sterilization, but if you allow intentionally your child to be bitten by a snake and the child is one years old, then you have to – this woman has to go to jail. Agreed. And I, I can't even imagine allowing a snake to bite my – first of all, Kids don't like snakes to begin with. No. As humans, we are preconditioned not to trust snakes. Like, there's no one-year-old out there who's like, oh, snakey, I want to play with him. Like, it, it, it doesn't happen. So why would the, anybody have, like, a preconceived notion of the snake as a really man's best friend? I mean, this is an awful idea. Florida I can't believe this woman exists. Where in Florida was it? Do we know? Sebring, Florida. I don't even know. Is it, that sounds like a place where it would be nice. Uh, all right, Justin, you got one? Yes, real quick, I, I did some research. It turns out this happened last year, but the video is just starting to surface on the Internet now. A, uh, a man, a 35-year-old man in southern India, went drinking before visiting a zoo park, decided to jump inside the lion enclosure, and was singing, Come to me, my darling, said that he wanted to shake hands with the lion. Uh, onlookers were screaming and throwing objects to try and distract the lion when finally the gentleman snapped out of it, swam back across the moat to get out of the enclosure. He was not mauled and uh, got out alive. 
that's an indictment of all of India. I don't. I don't know. I mean, an entire <laughs> sub, be jailed too. Entire subcontinent has gone insane just based on what this one single individual did. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. There's also another NFL story out there percolating, and guess what? It involves Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick passed over by the Seattle Seahawks. We talked about this a little bit yesterday about how it was strange that. Pete Carroll made the decision to go meet with Colin Kaepernick and then not sign him. To me, this is evidence that one of three things happened, right? Either Pete Carroll met with Colin Kaepernick. Remember, it was not a audition in the context of a workout or any kind of uh, any kind of physical-related tryout. It was just a sit down across the table, let's have a conversation and see whether something might work here. Either Colin Kaepernick was just awful in that meeting, with Pete Carroll, and there was no hope whatsoever that after that meeting that Pete Carroll believed he could be a really good player. Or, I think, Russell Wilson or owner Paul Allen came to Pete Carroll and said, we're not going to do that. That's how you end up signing Austin Davis. What I do not believe is I do not believe that Colin Kaepernick is unsigned because he is a black guy. I do not believe that the NFL is racist against black guys. (sighs) But some people do, including this loser, social justice warrior, writer at the New York Daily News, Sean King, who yesterday wrote a column saying that it was time for black people to join him in his protest of the NFL because Colin Kaepernick was not signed. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is real life. Now, this totally overlooks a fascinating angle. One over 70% of all NFL players are black. So if you're going to protest the NFL, aren't you protesting a majority black league? Isn't that in and of itself arguably, wait for it, racist? Moreover, in the entire history, as I tweeted, in the entire history of the world, no business has produced more black millionaires than the NFL. Never. Again, in the history of the world, No business has been more beneficial to black people than the NFL. No business has ever produced more millionaires than the NFL. The reason why I think most people love the NFL and love sports in general is because it's a meritocracy. I think just about everybody out there agrees with me that if Tom Brady got injured and the best person to replace Tom Brady was a transgender lesbian midget, Bill Belichick would play him, her, right? Bill Belichick doesn't care what you think about politics. He doesn't care what race you are. He doesn't care what religion you are. He doesn't even care what sex you are. If it makes his team more likely to win and you are not in jail and you are willing to listen and be an employee, Bill Belichick will put you on the field. And there's something beautiful about that. In this day and age where everybody's always complaining about discrimination and not being treated fairly and everybody's looking to be a victim all the time, there's something beautiful about the fact that when it comes to sports, the best guy or girl plays. Because ultimately, that's what sports culture is, a belief in yourself to be the best that you can possibly be and don't worry about excuses. In fact, if you make excuses in sports, you don't play. Right, Unlike in life, where people can sit around right now, there's a lot of people driving into work right now, you didn't get that promotion you want to get, you want to blame somebody else. You're not getting paid as much money as you want to get, as you want to make, you want to blame somebody else. In sports, by and large, we are all trained, no matter what, it's on you. 
And that's another reason that I love sports. It's on you and your team. It's us against the world. we got to figure out a solution to get us a championship to win this latest game, and it can't be us blaming external factors. Well, we would have won, but it was raining. Well, we would have won, but it was too hot. Well, we would have won, but it was too cold. Nobody ever says, like, imagine this if you're in a locker room. Imagine if you're sitting in a locker room, and right before you're about to go out for a big game, you said, Coach, my mom doesn't make that much money. And as a result, we don't live in that nice of a house. And so I don't think I'm going to play that well in this game. What would your coach say? If it's a good coach, he'd slap you in the back of the head, and he'd say, I don't give a damn who your mom is. I don't give a damn who your dad is. I don't care whether you live in a 10,000-square-foot mansion or a 45-square-foot cage in a jungle right now. You better go out and play really well. No excuses. And what's happened is we've gotten infiltrated by politics, and a big part of that has been Colin Kaepernick. So now people make excuses. Oh, the reason why I'm not playing is because of my political beliefs. And now we've moved on to what I think is maybe the dumbest aspect of this story yet. A national writer, even if he's an idiot like this guy, Sean King. If you don't know this guy, Sean King, he's a white dude who's been pretending to be black for several last decade or so. I told him on Twitter before he blocked me. I went on this dude. I said, look, man, we'll do this Maury Povich style. You go get a genetic test done. And if you're 25% black or more, I'll give $50,000 to a charity of your choice. I tweeted him this. I'll reiterate it right now. You guys can go tag him on Twitter since he's got me blocked. This white dude, Sean King, who's pretending to be black that wants black people to boycott the NFL because the NFL is racist. I told him, look, I said, straight up, dude, $50,000 to the charity of your choice if you get a genetic test and were proven to be 25% black or more. Flip side is you give $50,000 to a charity of my choice if you are not at least 25% black. Guy's got a white dad and a white mom. Decided he was black. Unbelievable. He's like Rachel Dolezal, except people listen to him. And now he wants everybody out there to boycott the NFL. I said, man, let's do this. Let's do this Maury Povich style. Put it on television. We'll do it live. I'll open up the envelope, and I'll say, your genetic history is white. You're 100% white. You're as white as I am, Sean King. Maybe whiter. I got some Native American in me. That's the truth. That's what I'm telling you. This white dude is demanding that black people join him in his boat protest of the NFL for racism. Let's go around the horn. Where does this rank in stupidest protest of all time, Jason Martin? Uh, this is, is it up number there. one it's for sports-related protest. Is this the dumbest idea of all time that black people should boycott the NFL because it's racist? I mean, just over the, Colin Kaepernick, by the way, the gall of Sean King to tweet out, I've been putting off making a full statement about an important issue for a while now. My mind's made up. And then the article, I'm boycotting the NFL because of their bigotry and blacklisting of Colin Kaepernick. It's gone way too far. The unmitigated gall to think that anybody gives one damn whether or not Sean King watches well, the this NFL. Well, this is the balancing act. Like, should I even mention this? Like, that's what kind of I was wrestling with. Oh, we did the whole first hour talking about game three. I tweeted about this yesterday, and I'm like, should I give this white dude the time of day in his fake blackness as he tries to argue that we should protest the NFL? It's like, should I cover it? I'm on in all 50 states. Probably some people out there who haven't even heard this. But then I'm like, you know what? When somebody does something so dumb, then I think sometimes you have to punch back and point out how dumb they are and also just completely 
end decapitate any argument that they have. And so I'm telling you guys right now, $50,000 to this guy's charity of choice if he gets a DNA test done and is proven to be black at all. This is a white dude who is pretending to be black, and he has been for a long time, and I think he is the biggest fraud in all of American life right now, and that's saying something. And I think worst of all, he's really bad for the country because he's making a living sowing seeds of discord. And it's not just in the political realm. It's in sports. And I think for a lot of you, sports is the last place, like I said, where you can escape and where meritocracy governs and where the guy who is best at the job gets it. And now we're starting to inch into this area, arena, where everybody makes excuses. Right? One of the great things about sports is nothing external matters. Now, it may not be fair to say everybody's equal once they get in between the lines, but that's certainly the case. And if you're a coach, and I'm a coach right now, you don't want to hear excuses. You certainly don't want to hear excuses that have absolutely nothing to do with sports when it comes to performance on the field. Like, that's ultimately your sanctuary. That's your refuge. That's the fairest place in all of America where all that matters is your talent. It's the ultimate meritocracy. And to come out and argue that the NFL needs to be boycotted over Colin Kaepernick not being signed is absurd, frankly. Especially, again, when I say for black people everywhere, there has never been a better business in terms of making black people wealthy than the NFL. The NFL has minted more black millionaires than any business in the history of the world. And you're going to protest it because it's racist? Like, owners don't see black and white in these days. I really don't believe this. Owners in the NFL are businessmen. You don't get to be an NFL owner unless you've been a very successful businessman before. And the only color really successful businessmen seen in, see in this country is green. Right? They don't care. If you're a black dude and you can make somebody money, you're going to make somebody money. If you're a Hispanic dude, if you're an Asian dude, if you're a white dude, it doesn't matter. Again, I love that example. Bill Belichick would play a transgender midget at quarterback if that was the best option that he had. Doesn't matter. If you can perform, regardless of what your background is, regardless of your sex, regardless of your gender, regardless of your religion, you would play. If Aaron Rodgers took a knee right now, 32 NFL teams would still try to sign him because he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Colin Kaepernick is bad business. We're going to talk about this and more with my guy Jeff Schwartz. We're going to talk about it with the next. One of the dumbest arguments ever. Again, you guys can go to Twitter and you can offer that. $50,000 charity of choice if Sean King will take a DNA test to prove that he's a white dude pretending to be black. He's the Rachel Dolezal of social media. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. What has not been talked about very much is something I want to pivot into that directly connects to LeBron James. One week ago today, news broke about an alleged racial slur in the L.A. area home, outside the L.A. area home of LeBron James, on a gate. It immediately took over all of the media. Everybody condemned this racist, heinous attack. LeBron James came on and compared himself to uh, the mom of Emmett Till. It was a really not very intelligent or eloquent response from LeBron James, which was commended as both intelligent and eloquent by the vast majority of the sports media. On Friday, I made a call to the Los Angeles Police Department. Nothing has changed since then. I asked them to keep me updated. 
Theoretically, if anything does change, they can let me know. We have talked about this some on the show, but it has now been eight days of investigation. A full week has passed since this incident allegedly happened, and still we have no public evidence of any racist graffiti outside of LeBron James's home. In fact, this to me is a major indictment of the sports media. Right now, you can go out, you can go search my name. I'm being blanketed, called racist for even asking these questions. Why do we not have any evidence that this incident has happened? And why are there no suspects? What do we know that's actually happened a week after this incident? We know that police were called to LeBron James's L.A. home at 644 a.m. Pacific time a week ago. A week ago today. So almost entirely a week ago, there was a call made an hour after the sun came up that there was racist graffiti on LeBron James's gate. Now, this is not a home that LeBron James is living in. It's his $21 million Brentwood area mansion just down the street from where O.J. Simpson lived when he was uh, when he was in L.A. before he was charged with the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. Same neighborhood. Very wealthy neighborhood, obviously, if you didn't know. Not a lot of $21 million mansions in crappy neighborhoods. So LeBron James has his $21 million mansion. Police are called to his house at 6.44 a.m. Pacific. When the police arrive there, what do they find? The paint has already covered up on the gate the racist graffiti that was allegedly left there. They also are told that there are not surveillance cameras working at this property. So the police arrive to investigate this crime, and the crime has already been wiped clean. The gate has already been repainted, and there's no surveillance footage of whoever did this. So from a police perspective, there is no evidence this actually happened, and there is no evidence whatsoever to review on video to see exactly who did this. Again, the police spokesperson in L.A. told me that there had been no video entered into evidence, no surveillance video at all. In fact, the police have made zero comments about this case at all in an entire week. I was told the only evidence in this case was a picture that was provided by LeBron James's people to the police of the racist graffiti incident. I want you to ask yourselves this question. Did we put the cart way before the horse here? We don't even know if this incident happened, and we don't know who did it, and already everybody has condemned this as if a white person did it who was a huge racist designing that insult for LeBron James and his family on the day before the NBA Finals began. But let me ask you several questions here. We have a huge audience listening to us right now in L.A. Sun comes up early in L.A. People, a lot of times, especially in wealthy neighborhoods, get up very early in the morning in Los Angeles to start their day to beat traffic, and also because you guys on the West Coast, and you know this, are constantly chasing the East Coast. I'm going to L.A. tomorrow. I'll be in L.A. all weekend. I've lived months at a time in L.A. working, doing television with Fox Sports. If you wake up, and I'm preaching to the choir for people on the West Coast, got a huge audience listening to us in San Francisco, huge audience and all up and down the coast, certainly in L.A. You guys wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast. Not that late, right? Already 11 a.m. Eastern on the East Coast. The day has already passed. Like, there isn't that much time to catch up. So a lot of people on the West Coast, they get up in the 5 o'clock hour. Right now, a lot of you right now on the West Coast, you got serious jobs. You're in your car. You're listening to me as you get ready to start your day. 
you're up early. In a place like Brentwood where people have $21 million houses, that would also be true. You're chasing the East Coast there. Lots of people in those neighborhoods would have connections to financial markets. Got to be up before the bell starts ringing uh, on Wall Street. Got an early start to your day. How is it? Got several questions for you. How is it that if there were a racial slur painted on a Brentwood gate that is visible, you can go to outkickthecoverage.com if you're curious about this story. Go to outkickthecoverage.com. I got pictures up. I got an entire analysis of this. I'm putting on my lawyer hat here. How is it that this gate, which is right on the sidewalk, directly beside the street, that given the fact that the sun comes up about 5.30-ish in L.A. right now, that for over an hour, this racial slur would have been visible to the street and nobody took a picture of it. Everybody in that Brentwood neighborhood knows that's LeBron James's house, right? When you are in a neighborhood like that and somebody famous lives by you, you know who lives there. So you got people out walking their dogs in the morning. You got people out for a morning jog to start their day. You got people getting in their cars to beat L.A. traffic, which is awful. All these things happening. Not one person driving by LeBron James's house sees a huge racial slur on the gate right beside the street and thinks to take a picture of it and post it to Twitter to Facebook, to Instagram, or just sells it to TMZ? How is it that TMZ can get literally everything on the face of the planet, anywhere in the entire country, but in their own backyard of L.A., not one person gets a picture of this and puts it up to go viral? Moreover, if you are working at LeBron James's house, this gate that they have slides back and is then not visible from the street. I don't know exactly how to describe that kind of gate, but you can go look at the pictures again at Outkick the Coverage if you want to see them. Pictures of the gate at LeBron James' house that was allegedly defaced. You can easily slide that gate open and put it back so that nobody on the street can see it. If you're concerned about that slur being visible, when you call police at 644, you can drape a, a, a freaking sheet over it, or even easier, you can pull back that gate and open it all the way and nobody can see the gate slur at all. If you are going to call police and report a racial slur, and this is something that I find to be very, very odd, why would you paint over it? And how are you able to paint over it that quickly? You have the exact right paint in your house to paint over it. You have somebody who's good enough at painting to paint over the slur. You can do all that in the minutes between when you make the call and when the police arrive? That doesn't make sense to me. Moreover, you're calling the police to report a crime and you've already covered the crime up? Isn't it important for the police to arrive and actually take a picture of this graffiti, this racist graffiti themselves, if they're going to conduct an investigation into who did it? Uh, Yes. Isn't it important to allow the police to check and see potentially what kind of spray paint was used to help them in tracking down who might have been doing this? Since by and large, a lot of times spray paint is traced to the closest hardware store near where an incident like this happens. If you want somebody to be prosecuted for doing this, in fact, you have to not touch what happens on this gate. All of these things are questions that nobody else in the sports media has asked. Why was it painted over? Why did nobody else see it? 
why a week after this incident happened, after LeBron James has been praised for the high heavens, after everybody has assumed some racist white person did this, do we still have no public evidence of this incident? And why, if you have a $21 million mansion with a surveillance camera, is the surveillance camera miraculously not working when this incident supposedly takes place? This stinks to the high heavens. There's no way that anybody could be prosecuted with a crime the moment you make the decision to cover up the graffiti, assuming it was ever there. Because the police don't have any actual evidence of a crime occurring. Moreover, why does this story go public? People say, why would LeBron James want this distraction? LeBron James and his crew could have easily chosen not to report this story and nobody would have known. They're the ones who leaked this story. They're the ones who brought the attention. They're the ones who led to LeBron James having to ask questions about this story. And as a broad-scale question, again, I'm putting my lawyer hat on here. I'm going to open up phone lines for you guys, 877-996-6369. Why do I get called racist for asking these questions? Isn't the very foundation of media responsibility to ask questions of powerful people? Why am I the only person with the balls to ask very straightforward questions? Did this actually happen? If it did happen, why is there no public evidence of it yet? Why was this painted over? Why is there no surveillance video? And why do we immediately assume a white person is responsible for this? If a crime happened in my neighborhood and I had no idea who did it, and I immediately blamed a black person, that would be racist, right? If I said, hey, I left my kid's stroller outside the front of my house and somebody took that stroller, it's not here now. Black guy must have done it. Everybody out there would say, whoa, 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 that's racist. Why with all of these fake hate crimes circulating out there, why with so many different races and ethnicities in the city of Los Angeles, would we immediately assume that it was a crazy white person and not a crazy black person or a crazy Hispanic person or a crazy Asian person who, if they actually did this graffiti, are responsible for it. These are difficult and interesting questions that nobody else is asking anywhere else in the country. There's a lot of people who make a living writing and talking about sports. Why am I the only person pointing this out? That a week after this story became the number one story in America, we still have zero public evidence that it actually happened. And without me talking about it right now, there wouldn't be a single person in America discussing this. People are so afraid of being called racist that they don't ask basic questions anymore. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. 
call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.